the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a battle going on for the souls of men. The taste of war is ever dear. But I am safe within the arms of God's dear bride. She is the keeper of my soul. She is the church of Christ. I'll not surrender. I'll not Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Breidenbaugh of the Gospel Defender Ministries. This gospel message will encourage and equip those who have ears to hear to be a Christian, clothed with the armor of a gospel defender. I'll not Ladies and gentlemen, in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 21, the Apostle Paul exhorted Christians in that congregation to prove all things. That was a timely exhortation in Paul's day, and it is one for our day as well. We need to prove all things concerning what we believe and what we do not believe in the religion to which we subscribe. Prove it, prove it, prove it. We must not take anyone's word for anything regarding what we believe or what we do not believe. On the day of judgment, it will do no good to lay the blame for having believed and practiced a religious lie at the feet of those who told us the lie. Jesus the Christ has forewarned all of us that if we believe, teach, or practice the errors of our religious mentors, we can expect no better outcome at the judgment than that which will be received by those who taught us the lie. It is incumbent upon each of us to be sure that we are able to prove all things relevant to our religious beliefs. We must insist that our teachers cite the book, chapter, and verse when we ask, What saith the Lord about any subject? Apostle John advised in 1 John 4, verse 1, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. False prophets were active in the days of the apostles, and two millennia later, they are still among us. So like John, I caution you to test the spirits. 
There is only one way to do this. Compare what your teachers say to what the inerrant revelation of God says. For it is not all teachers, but all scripture that is given by inspiration of God that is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. There is no other way to know whether or not what you hear a preacher say is true or false, except by comparing what he says with what the Word of God says. And this explains the reason for all the religious confusion among us today. Few go to the Scriptures to verify what the preacher says is true. This is why so many people believe the nonsense hawked by religious fraudsters. There is an out-of-control epidemic of biblical ignorance even among those who frequent a church building every Sunday. Were the average churchgoer graded on his knowledge of the Scriptures, he may not be able to pass from kindergarten to the first grade. Religion is plagued with biblical imbeciles, scriptural morons, who cannot prove what their preacher says is true any more than I can prove. This country leads the Chinese in missile production. As Christians, Paul says we must be able to prove all things. Can you prove all things? You believe when it comes to your religious faith. Can you prove what your preacher and what your denomination says is truth? Is truth. Can you prove how you worship God on the Lord's day is biblical? The apostles Paul and John said, you ought to be able. If you can't, don't get angry or upset with me. It wasn't me who taught you the lie you have believed. And it wasn't me who told you that you must be able to prove what you believe. Paul said it. Prove it, prove it, prove it. It is true, and I do not deny it, that using the Bible you can prove almost anything in religion. Using the right combination of verses, you can prove that the Lord Jesus told Judas to hurry and go out and hang himself. You can prove that Paul robbed churches. In religion, you can prove about anything you set out to prove. Take a verse here and paste it next to a verse there, and you can come up with most anything. In spite of all of this, I'm going to ask you to prove a few things for my sake. Can you prove that once you are saved, you are always saved? Can you prove you can never fall from grace once you have been saved? If you believe that doctrine, you should be able to prove it. I confess that I unequivocally do not believe that false doctrine that many preachers in denominationalism preach as truth. I do not believe it for one minute. I believe that once you are saved, you can fall from grace and go to hell while believing the doctrine of eternal security. If you were to ask me to prove it, I would direct you to the entire book of Galatians, in which the Apostle Paul discussed with those he had converted to Christ of the danger of their falling from the grace of God by their returning to the law of Moses. The Apostle stated in Galatians 5 verse 4, 
you have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Why would Paul bring up the subject of falling from grace if it were impossible for the Galatian Christians to do such a thing? If eternal security for the believer is true, Paul certainly did not know it. Ladies and gentlemen, if you believe what Paul did not believe, you are obligated to prove that once you are saved, you are always saved, with no possibility of ever being lost. You have a Bible, so prove it. You will not prove it by the Galatians letter, and you will not prove it by any other letter in the Word of God. Remember, Paul said, to prove all things. So, can you prove that one can be saved by faith alone without any acts of obedience? If you believe that doctrine, you should be able to prove it. I confess to you that I unequivocally do not believe that false doctrine that many preachers in denominationalism preach as being true. I do not believe it for one minute. I do not believe that faith alone will save anyone or that it ever has. I believe you can go to hell even if you do believe that Jesus is the Christ, the only begotten Son of the living God. And if you were to ask me to prove that one is not saved even though he believes that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of the living God, I would direct you to the second chapter of the book of James, in which it is written, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can faith save him? So faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Faith without works is dead. You see then that a man is justified by works, and not by faith only. Language could not be more clear than this. If faith only is enough to save one from hell, James certainly did not know it. Ladies and gentlemen, prove that faith alone is sufficient to save. You have a Bible, so prove it. You will not prove it by what is recorded in the second chapter of James, and you will not prove it by any other chapter in the Word of God. Remember, Paul said, to prove all things, so can you prove that it makes no difference to what church you belong, as long as you belong to some church, since every church is going to the same place, but just going there taking different directions? Can you prove it? If you believe this false doctrine, you should be able to prove it. I confess to you that I unequivocally do not believe that false denominational doctrine that is preached by its preachers for one minute. There is only one church, and it is the church that Jesus built. And unless you are a member of his one church, you are not a member of his church at all, regardless of the preachers who say you are. If you were to ask me to prove there is only one church, I would direct you to Ephesians 4, verse 4, 
in which Apostle Paul wrote, under inspiration of God, there is one body. He said in Ephesians 1, verses 21 and 22, the one body is the church. Taken together, Paul said there is but one church, not two, not three, not hundreds. Not the church of your choice, and not the church of my choice, but the one church of his choice, the one he built and purchased with his blood. You may hear many times many preachers telling you that you should attend the church of your choice, but they cannot prove it by what is written in the book of Ephesians, and as far as that is concerned, they cannot prove it using any other book in the Word of God. Remember, Paul said to prove all things, so can you prove? It makes no difference what followers of Christ call themselves. Can you prove it? If you believe that it makes no difference what followers of Christ call themselves, you should be able to prove it, so prove it. I confess to you that I unequivocally do not believe that false doctrine that most denominational preachers preach for one minute. I believe there is one name and only one name which the followers of Christ may scripturally call themselves. All other names are the language of Ashdod. And if you were to ask me to prove it does make a difference what name one calls himself religiously, I would point you to Acts 11, verse 26, in which it is written, The disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Then I would point you to Acts 26, verse 28, where King Agrippa said to Paul, You almost persuade me to become a Christian. And I would point you to 1 Peter 4, verse 16, in which the one to whom the keys of the kingdom of heaven were given wrote, If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. What name would you substitute for the name Christian? Go ahead and pick your denominational name. But remember, there are scores of other denominational names that have as much authority to be inserted in those three scriptures as does yours. No authority. Since there was no other name by which followers of Christ were known in the first century except Christian, why not be satisfied with that name today? Since there were no denominationally hyphenated Christians in the first century, let those ungodly anti-scriptural denominational names be buried forevermore to never cross the tongues of men ever again. Prove your denominational name is as good as the name Christian. You have a Bible, so go ahead and prove it. You will not prove it by the book of Acts or the book of First Peter, and you will not prove it with any other book in the Bible. Remember, Paul said to prove all things, so can you prove? It makes no difference if one is sprinkled with water or if one is immersed in water, as far as the correct mode of biblical baptism. Can you prove it? If you believe that one can be sprinkled with water, 
and that will suffice as an acceptable baptism, you should be able to prove it. I confess to you that I do not believe for one minute that one can have water sprinkled on him and that be a scriptural baptism. And if you were to ask me to prove that baptism is acceptable only by immersion, I would direct your attention to the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew 3, it is written concerning his baptism that he came up immediately from the water. Ladies and gentlemen, show me anyone, a baby or otherwise, who can come up immediately from a baptismal font or a sprinkling can, and I will accept the doctrine that sprinkling is an acceptable mode of baptism. Not only is the Lord Jesus Christ's baptism proof that baptism is an immersion in water, but also does the account of the eunuch in Acts chapter 8. It is written that following his baptism, both Philip, the one who baptized the eunuch, and the eunuch came up out of the water. Show me a baptismal font or a sprinkling can large enough for both the administrator of the baptism and the person who is baptized to enter into and come up out of it, and I will accept the doctrine that sprinkling is an acceptable mode of baptism. You have a Bible, so go ahead and prove that sprinkling is an acceptable mode for baptism. You will not prove it by either the example of the Lord's baptism or the example of the eunuchs, and you will not prove it by any other New Testament example. Remember, Paul said to prove all things. So, can you prove that men and women in the church of the Bible responded to altar calls or prayed a sinner's prayer for salvation? Can you prove it? If you believe that going to an altar to meet Christ is a scriptural practice, you should be able to prove it by citing an example or point to an illustration of it in the New Testament. If you are able to prove that this is not a denominationally invented practice that began in the 19th century, but it is in fact a scriptural ritual by pointing to an example in the New Testament of anyone kneeling at an altar to talk to Jesus or to receive Jesus as Savior. Go ahead and prove it. You have a Bible, so go ahead and prove that it is at an altar, altar worship, and through praying a sinner's prayer that men and women are saved from their sins. Try as you might, you will not prove it as far as the Word of God is concerned. Remember, Paul said to prove all things, so can you prove you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit? Can you prove it with a visible, verifiable, miraculous sign? Speaking gibberish will not do. Even I can do that, and I have never been immersed with the Holy Spirit. Here, listen. Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabachthani. I even have the gift of interpretation. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
There, I have demonstrated two miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gift of speaking in tongues and the gift of interpretation. Of course, those who are familiar with the Word of God know that I did not speak in a foreign tongue with the help of the Holy Spirit, but I simply told you what is written in Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. But what I did was more authentic than what those who profess to speak in tongues are able to do. Anyone can speak gibberish. Drunks do it all the time. Come on now. Prove that you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Drink a deadly poison in front of me. It was done in Bible days. Handle a couple of copperheads in front of me that have not been milked of their venom. It was done in Bible days. Lay your hands on the blind, the deaf, the lame, the mute, and the dead, and let me witness their healing and their resurrection. It was done in Bible days. If you believe you have been immersed with the Holy Spirit, prove it. The Bible says you should be able to. So come on now. Prove it. After all, the Word of God says the signs of the Holy Spirit were for the sake of converting the unbeliever. And ladies and gentlemen, I am one of the biggest unbelievers you will ever meet. So prove it. Try as you may. You will not prove it as far as the Word of God is concerned. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul said to prove all things. So prove that immersion in water is not essential for salvation. Can you prove that baptism in water has nothing to do with one being saved from sin? If you believe that it does not, you should be able to prove it. I believe that unless one is immersed in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins... No matter what else might be said about that person, he has not had his sins forgiven, is not a Christian, never has been, and is lost in his unforgiven sins. And if you ask me to prove that unless one is immersed in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, one is not saved, I am pleased to respond by telling you that Jesus said in Mark 16:16. 16, 16, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Ladies and gentlemen, let me ask you a question. If you believe but are not baptized, are you saved according to what Jesus said in that verse? Not only this, but I am also pleased to respond to your request for proof by telling you the Bible says in Acts 2, verse 38, to repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for not because of, but for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you repent but are not immersed in the name of Jesus Christ, are you saved according to what Apostle Peter said? Not what your preacher or your denomination say, but what Apostle Peter said. So, ladies and gentlemen, please answer these questions. Can you be saved without ever being immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. Remember, Paul said, 
to prove all things. So if you can, prove it, prove it, prove it. There's a battle going on for the souls of men. The taste of war is ever dear. But I am safe within the arms of God's dear bride. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Breidenbaugh speaking. You have just heard another Gospel Defender Ministries radio broadcast brought to you by the church that Jesus built and preaches all of the word to all of the world. Jesus said in Mark 16, verse 16, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. So find someone today who will immerse you into Christ today before it is everlastingly too late. Our mailing address is Gospel Defender Ministries, Post Office Box 575 Chillicothe, C-H-I-L-L-I-C-O-T-H-E, Chillicothe, Ohio, zip 45601. You can also contact us through the World Wide Web at gospel-defender.org or by email at agosdef, A-G-O-S-D-E-F, agosdef at roadrunner.com. At your request, a written transcript or an audio copy of today's message will be sent to you free of charge with no obligation from you now or in the future. We need to hear from you as soon as possible, so please take the time to contact us today. Now, until you and I meet again at this same time and at this same place, our prayer is that you will be steadfastly set for the defense of the gospel. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.